0: Metro, 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 Yeah, yeah, drinkin' dope, turn me to a superhero, yeah, yeah, hit that pill, turn me to a superhero, yeah, yeah. Room my 90s, turn me to a superhero, yeah, Metro, yeah. Metro, Metro, don't trust you, I'm on that dope again, I'm on that flow again, switch up the flow again, yeah, yeah, fly in the parachute, gripping that pole again, I'm on that all again, yeah, yeah. I'm Came in the cup, gotta get paid. King in the streets, y'all nigga made. of the crowd, take it to the grave. Ain't having problems, I'm sipping the bar. Shout out to Dallas, my bitch is a star. Nigga, get rich, ready to take you to war. Piss on your casket, shoot at your bra. Do you something nasty, roll you in a gun? Bitch, get graphic, fuck me in a car. i get your brand new roller tomorrow. I put a brand new roll on your arm. Ain't moving slow, but I'm still on R. Tennis braces, and they came with the frost. Cuba links all the way, up
1: welcome back ladies and gentlemen i am 24 this is my podcast 24's podcast
0: i'm
1: back late once again but i am back i said i was gonna be back i know i've been inconsistent it's my fault it's not your fault you may have had doubts you're like well 24 said he was gonna be back then he left for four weeks i know but i'm back stefan diggs being absent for mandatory mini camp, we'll discuss it as well as I don't know some other stuff. I got some stuff ready, ladies and gentlemen, right here 24's
0: podcast i get your brand new roller tomorrow I put a brand new roller on your arm Ain't no slow, but still on art Tennis braces and they came with the frost Kirill links all the way to your jaw Step on the swag when I step on
2: Probably my favorite future song and... Really, my only... Future song that I actually... <clears throat> enjoy and like. So... A lot of huge
1: news kind of coming out today. Let me kind of get myself situated once again. Really not. There wasn't really a lot that happened today in all honesty. I mean, there was some stuff that I kind of wanted to to discuss. Like, for example, and this was yesterday. Like, for example, the Cam Jordan thing where he talked about Kirk Cousins and called him slow. Saquon Barkley. I mean, hell, we can start there, right? Yesterday, I started to discuss kind of why running backs are being kind of shanked here when it comes to the evaluation. Running backs aren't, I don't know if you know this, but running backs aren't necessarily being highly valued as it pertains to NFL teams and what they want to do. I've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks as bigger and bigger names kind of get least and or bigger and bigger names get um get not any uh contract extensions like for example saquon barkley now i talked ad nauseum about Daniil hunter and i talked about dalvin cook and i essentially said and i came to the conclusion i was like look for the minnesota vikings hold on i think sorry about that. That was some, let me meet my computer audio for a second. I'm kind of going through some tabs. My computer had to restart. But in the case of Daniil Hunter and Dalvin Cook, I don't really get what Minnesota is doing. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for them to ostracize these two players as important as they are to their respective team. In the case of hell, in the case of Dalvin Cook, they straight up cut him Daniil Hunter, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I don't really understand it and or get it. But I do get them moving on from, from, uh, from Dalvin Cook. Now, in the case of Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley, New York Giants, star running back. Let me look up his numbers really, really fast here.
2: Because I think it's important to look him up you to kind of understand just the context of Saquon. Saquon has had a career essentially plagued with injuries,
1: right? His first year, everybody's like, Thaekwon, 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 Saquon, great player. Everybody's fantasizing about his thighs, really his quads, I think they called him. Again, it was Thaekwon, but it was really his insane quads, right?
2: But Saquon had an awesome rookie year. 261
1: attempts, 1,300 yards. That averages about to five yards per carry, even,
2: and 11 touchdowns. Just an all-around great year. All-around great year. His last season, 2022, 295 attempts, 1,300
1: yards, Right? Similar yards, but on significantly more attempts. We're talking 30 more attempts last season than in his rookie season, and he barely just got over 1,300 yards. It was 1,312 yards. His averages were, were, not, were not even close to what it once was in his rookie season. He goes from averaging 5 yards per carry, which is great in his rookie season, to averaging 4.4 yards per carry
2: last season and then getting 10 touchdowns. Now, if you look at his statistics, if you just look at them for the most part,
1: right, he has 4,249 yards. He has 29 touchdowns. If we just break down those
2: two seasons, his rookie season and his last season, the 2022 season, if we look at those two seasons, Saquon's yards are 4,249
1: career total yards. Those two seasons account for 2,600 of those 4,249 yards. So that's about half of his career, just right there between those two seasons. And by the way, Saquon has been in the NFL for five years. This has been, this will now be his sixth year, this year. So in five years, two of his seasons account for half of his yards, And touchdowns is pretty much the exact same thing. It's almost a third, where he has 29 total touchdowns, 20 of them, or really 21 of them, account for the first season, his rookie season, and his last season, the 2022 season. So all of his major statistics have been his first season and his last season in the NFL. And his first and last seasons were completely different when it comes to production. Or more specifically, efficiency. The production is actually very similar. But the efficiency of the production is very, very different. The Giants ran the shit out of the football last year with Saquon Barkley. And so what Joe Shine and the GM... Or excuse me, the GM is Joe Shine. And the head coach, Brian Dable. What they're probably thinking is... Saquon is probably on his final legs. And we don't want to be the Cowboys. Essentially... Kind of
2: holding the Saquon Barkley bag. We don't want to pay him his money. He costs way too much money, or he will cost way too. But very similarly to the Cowboys, in which the
1: Cowboys have kind of learned their lesson in paying running backs, the Cowboys are like, we're probably not gonna pay. Not Saquon, excuse me. Tony Pollard. Probably not gonna pay Tony Pollard. Running back that they franchise tag this year, Tony Pollard, his averages last year I think were over five yards per carry. Tony Pollard pretty much showed that he could easily be the number one guy for the Cowboys. 193 attempts, 1,000 yards, 5.2 yards per carry, nine touchdowns, folks. Let me look up Ezekiel Elliott's numbers just so we can kind of understand it. And Tony Pollard, by the way, won't be the number one back for the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas will have two or three guys that they're looking at. Deuce Vaughn, it looks like, is going to be potentially, Jesus Christ, Zeke had so many attempts last year. Oh my God. Yeah, I I don't know if Ezekiel Elliott will play this year. I'm looking at his numbers. If I can kind of have a segue for everybody that's like, bring back Zeke, bring back Zeke. Tony Pollard had like 40 less carries and 200 more yards than Ezekiel Elliott and three less touchdowns because Zeke is used in, in very, very uh, short yardage situations and packages. It's like, you don't think Tony Pollard could get those freaking touchdowns? You don't think Dak Prescott could score on the one yard line? Ridiculous. But I mean, Zeke had clear cut in away more touches, more carries than Tony and i mean goodness gracious at the end of the season against the tennessee titans against washington against tampa bay and san francisco you look at his numbers zeke couldn't freaking get 3 yards per carry it was like 1.95 against Ta- against tennessee 1.25 against washington 2.8 against tampa and then 2.6 against the freaking 49ers I mean, we're not talking Ezekiel Elliott being ineffective. We're talking about Ezekiel Elliott just straight up being done as a professional running back, more likely than not. I don't know who's going to pick him up.
2: Dallas essentially had him and used him because, well, he costs a shit ton of money. I don't know who would want to pay him. Maybe not pay him is the best way to describe it, but I don't know who would want an inefficient running back in today's NFL. But again, that was kind of to showcase off the dichotomy of like Tony Pollard versus Ezekiel
1: Elliott. Tony Pollard, really great season, had a really great season.
2: Ezekiel Elliott kind of stole a little bit of his thunder, but I want to go back to Saquon. Saquon, really... has about double the amount
1: of carries as Tony Pollard does. He has, Tony has 510, Saquon has 954. Tony has 17 touchdowns, Saquon has 29. Saquon has 4,200 yards, Tony has 2,600. We're talking about Tony Pollard is about a season and a half behind Saquon Barkley. And Tony was the B running back for the Dallas Cowboys. He really didn't see a whole lot of action. Saquon was the starter and really the guy that the Giants had a lot of promise and held a lot of expectations for for the last five years, since since 2018, excuse me, when he got drafted. reason why Saquon Barkley has kind of underachieved, and I don't think he's underachieved or he's underdelivered, which is a better way to describe it. reason why he's underdelivered, is simply put because Saquon has been hurt. So, on top of him playing an inefficient position, or excuse me, not an inefficient position, but a position that has very, very short lifespan on it, on top of him... on top of him kind of getting to that point where running backs, you'll start to see a depreciation in value for them. And just straight up on top of that, just him playing a, uh, a position that, that just isn't as valuable as it once was, Saquon gets hurt like a lot. Last season was essentially his first season in which he was healthy since
2: 2018. And now Saquon Barkley wants a huge contract extension? Let me tell you what's going to happen right now. What's going to happen is
1: essentially what the Dallas Cowboys are about to do with Tony Pollard. I don't think the Dallas Cowboys
2: have any, any intention to sign Tony Pollard to a long-term extension.
1: I just don't believe it. It would be foolish of them to literally jump from one running back contract to another. I just, I don't think that Dallas is going to sign Tony Pollard. And I think the Eagles were like, Miles Sanders is up for contract. Miles Sanders, we can sign him to a contract, and he's been a great running back for us. Miles Sanders, former Philadelphia Eagles running back, great player, one of the better running backs in the NFL, one of the best, really, had a great season last season, I mean, I think he was top five in yards last season at 11 touchdowns. Pretty much had a Saquon Barkley year last year. They were like, nah, we're fine. We're cool. We'll get rid of him. Get rid of Miles. Imperative football player to the Philadelphia Eagles. They were like, eh, we'll get rid of him. We don't want to pay him. Carolina pays him. Instead. Good pickup for Carolina. We'll see how he functions in their offense, but... They didn't want to pay him. Eagles didn't want to pay him. Dallas doesn't want to pay Tony. What Dallas is going to do is they're just going to be like, yeah, we're we're straight with Tony. We'll move on and we'll have a running back core, which is what they probably should have had for the last three, four years instead of just relying on Ezekiel Elliott. They're going to be like, yeah, we're going to have a running back core. We're going to roll with Deuce Vaughn and Malik Davis and whomever else, and we're just going to roll with guys that can be efficient, And that is the game plan for the Dallas Cowboys long-term. And that is probably going to be the game plan for a lot of NFL teams. Including, I think, the New York Giants. I don't think the Giants want to sign Saquon Barkley long-term. I think they're going to move off of Saquon here in the next year. If not this year, it would be foolish for them to sign Saquon Barkley. Injury-prone running back.
2: That's just not a good equation. And then on top of that, he's he's a running back. Like nobody wants to pay a running back anymore.
1: So I'll have these these, these people But but uh, but before I continue, why are we talking about Saquon Barkley? Well, he said something I think at his at I think a charity auction or something. He said something somewhere where he was like
2: the numbers that the Giants are quoted Saying that I want the
1: numbers, excuse me, that the Giants are saying that I want are incorrect. I don't know how to properly phrase it. But he's essentially saying I want somewhere probably between twelve to thirteen million dollars per year. I'm not looking to reset the running back market, which for that to happen, twelve to thirteen million dollars, maybe fourteen, somewhere around there, X
2: amount of years, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Nobody wants to pay that for Saquon. Nobody. And so, Saquon, by the way, has gotten franchise-tagged. He can get franchise-tagged again
1: next year, or the Giants can move off of him. I think the Giants will use him up, and they'll cut him, because it is a ruthless business in the NFL, and they want to win games, and Saquon gives them a great, great,
2: great chance at winning games. So, we'll see what happens with Saquon, but I just...
1: I just don't think that the Giants are going to sign him to a long-term extension, just like how I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are going to sign Tony Pollard to a long-term extension. Use him and lose him. That's
2: what they're both probably going to do. Then, it's going to be a very, very interesting kind of like next offseason or two because you have
1: some really, really impressive... Important football players that are just hanging out. Dalvin obviously headlines them. And DeAndre Hopkins is another great player. But then also potentially you could have, for example, Saquon Barkley within the next year I have another name that's available, and potentially Josh Jacobs. Right? Because Josh Jacobs, running back for the Raiders, is also. Holding out of mandatory minicamp, he hasn't signed his contract extension. or techni- It's not a contract extension, it's a franchise tag. So technically speaking, he doesn't have to do or say
2: anything. He's just like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just kind of uh, not show up because technically I'm not signed to an NFL team. And so, Josh was and is an imperative player
1: for the Las Vegas Raiders, but they don't want to sign him to a long-term extension for the exact same reasons why the Dallas Cowboys don't want to sign Tony Pollard and, and the, uh, the New York Giants don't want to sign Saquon Barkley to a long-term extension. They play running back position. They play the position of running back. Josh Jacobs had his, essentially his best season, 340, 340 carries, 1,600 yards, 4.9 yards per carry, 12 touchdowns. I mean, that's like rookie Ezekiel Elliott. That's like primo good stuff. That's like Derrick Henry a couple of years ago. It's like last season and it's weird because I didn't think I did not think he had that shit in him. Not going to lie. I was like when I looked at his numbers, I was like I don't think Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacob's, excuse me, has that type of a year left in him, especially on a team like the Las Vegas Raiders, where they're not great at run blocking, and I mean, he had pretty much Ezekiel Elliott's rookie season, which Ezekiel Elliott's rookie season: 322 carries, 1600 yards, 15 total touchdowns, 5.9, 5.1, excuse me, yards per carry. I mean, it was they're very synonymous. The only thing that's different is that Josh Jacobs has 18 less carries. Or 18 more carries, excuse me, and three less touchdowns. Very, very similar seasons. And Josh probably could reset the running back market, but who wants to fucking do that?
2: Who wants to pay him a lot of fucking money? Nobody. I'll tell you who. Nobody. But I find it fascinating that, in my opinion, yes,
1: these players are undervalued because of the position that they play, but at some point, somebody's going to pay them because, or they're going to lower the price or whatever. And I feel like one of these teams is going to get a fucking steal on some of the best players in the NFL, in my opinion. And it's going to be one of these teams. Like, for example, I remember, what was it, Tom Pelissero or Ian Rappaport, they were talking about it. They were talking about who exactly Dalvin Cook could go to. And it's like the Denver Broncos... Or Miami or any of these other teams that are gonna that are just like automatically going to the playoffs for example, they they didn't list it, but it was like probably the chiefs would be interested, the bills maybe, not just because his younger brother James Cook is there, but because the chiefs they kind of do need a, an actual running back. Dallas, obviously, the Jets. Like, there are connections with Dalvin Cook in a couple of different places, but Dalvin, I don't know if he wants to make any money or, or what, what his motivations are and what, they, what he wants to do. I, I just don't know. But
2: to me, it's obvious that Dalvin Cook, he wants... I, I actually don't know what he wants, but it's obvious that
1: Dalvin Cook, Saquon, all these running backs, they're, they're kind of screwed they really are. I think that's, this is going to be one of the final times that I talk about running backs and their value or whatever just because it's like it's kind of repetitive, the conversation. What isn't repetitive and what was so interesting, because it came out of the blue I don't even know where this is from. I think this was from maybe uh Von Miller's Pass Rushing Academy which is right now Von Miller has a pass rushing academy where he has guys come out and work with him and they teach each other things. And it's it's a great summit. I don't know why the NFL doesn't sponsor it or work with Vaughn or whatever the case may be and have it be in a more professional setting. I mean, not to say that Vaughn doesn't set up a professional setting, but you know, something, maybe not professional is the way to use it, but more of a collaborative manner. You, I don't know why the NFL doesn't do more stuff like this. I don't know why they don't have like camps and stuff like that with these players and have these players bond over football or whatever it it just doesn't make any sense to me it's like it's good business it's good PR I'm not saying by the way I'm not saying you bring out a bunch of kids and you have like summer camps with kids with NFL players because that's already going on I'm saying like you have NFL players for like a week or two weeks or whatever you have them go out on a retreat and you have them you know you know, do whatever they want to do and you invite some media members and you kind of put it out and you, you know, you make a little video about it or whatever. I don't know why the NFL doesn't do that. It's really fascinating and interesting. It's like, and I've been following stuff like this for like the last couple of years with George Kittle's tight end university. He has, he has that going on as well. He has that going on every single year. And it's like, people are just like, I remember like one media journalist was there. One media guy was there at uh, at George Kittle's tight end university, and I was just like, "Aren't more people fascinated by the notion that George Kittle just is out there with some of the best tight ends on the planet, just running around like talking about being a tight end?" Isn't nobody interested in this? Isn't it just nobody wants to work? I guess nobody wants to do investigative journalism in the summer. I guess. I think it's fascinating. I think it's cool, but apparently, just nobody does. But this gets a lot of uh, a lot of tread. The the um the Von Miller pass rushing summit, where Vaughn goes out and he teaches once again players, you know, some things, and he invites some really really awesome players. Aaron was there a couple of years ago. Uh, I think the only Star pass rushers that don't go to Vaughn's thing are the Bosa boys and the Watts. Those guys usually don't go, but like Aaron Donald, uh, Chris Jones, for example. Vaughn is obviously there. Shaq Barrett. Uh, who else is like a top-tier pass rusher? It's kind of hard to remember the years of just like who was, who was where because it was just it's just a little bit confusing. I apologize. But... Essentially, it would be where it would be the place to be to go if you were top-tier Cam Jordan, obviously, but it would be the place to go if you were a top-tier guy, and Cam, I think two days ago, so that would be on Monday, came out, this clip of him came out talking about Kirk Cousins, kind of went viral because it is quite disparaging of Kirk Cousins. And here is Cam Jordan talking a little bit of uh, shit to Kirk Cousins, or about Kirk Cousins. I don't know if he knew he was being recorded or not. I don't really care. It makes great, uh, great television. You see a little, you see a lot, you see a lot, you see a little. And you're so focused on what's next, oh, where's his hand? If it's, where, where does he like to throw these hands? You're so worried about all these other factors, you're slowing yourself down thinking. And in this game, you are, you all like everybody knows. A fast, wrong decision can be a right decision. And a fast, right decision, you're a winner. And a slow, right decision, get your ass on the bench. Because yeah. there's somebody out here that's going to be moving at a different speed. Slow, right decisions, we love them. We call him Kirk Cousins. Good move,
0: you got blood.
1: <clears throat> if you didn't catch him, essentially, Cam Jordan was talking about just being fast and making fast decisions, even if they were wrong. And he says that we love slow right decisions because they get your ass on the bench. Slow right decisions. We call them Kirk Cousins. That's a bit of a bar, isn't that? Bit of a bar. And so that goes viral and everybody is getting juiced up and everybody's talking about how Cam Jordan lost to Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. It will be interesting though to see, you know, if there's any reference of this video. Nobody references any drama that goes on on the internet nobody kind of like stokes the flames or the fire they just have these boring interviews and they never ask or reference some of this stuff that goes online it's like cam is talking yes cam is talking a little bit of shit he is it's okay to say that he's talking a little bit of shit. nobody references it and i think that it's interesting and i think that it's fun there was also people that were saying, like, of course Cam would talk shit about Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins beat him in the playoffs, and yada, yada, yada. But listen, Cam Jordan 1,000% has a point. Minnesota has been unhappy with him. And by Minnesota, I mean everybody. From the current regime to the previous regime with Mike Zimmer and whoever else was there and Quasi Adolfo Mensa and the new head coach, and I think his name is Kevin O'Connell. They have not been happy with Kirk Cousins but they can't figure out a way to get rid of them. So essentially, they've given themselves a deadline, right? This is potentially Kirk Cousins' final year in Minnesota.
2: Kirk Cousins is probably the best quarterback in that division. I mean, where's the lie? Some people would say, well,
1: Justin Fields, now I'm like, I would take Kirk Cousins with Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison over Justin Fields with DJ Moore. Some people would tell me Jared Goff after next season. We'll see what happens with Jared Goff this season. I'm really excited to see if Jared Goff can do essentially what he did last season, this season, which was uh, miss the playoffs for
2: the second or third year in a row, regardless. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. I don't think
1: he's anywhere near the top 10. I think he's 13th, 14th in the league. He constantly underachieves and does and is very, very conservative with his play. At times. Doesn't really process things very well. It's very similar to what Cam Jordan said. Slow right decisions, we call them Kirk Cousins. And you'll see him process information slowly. And you'll see him make bad decisions at times. I don't think Kirk Cousins exclusively makes right decisions. Slowly, I think at times he makes bad decisions quickly. Only have to watch the Giants game to kind of get that vibe or the Cowboys game against them in the regular season last year where the Cowboys
2: absolutely obliterated Minnesota in Minnesota. Terrible, that game, for the Minnesota Vikings. It was awesome for the Dallas Cowboys. But the grander scheme for
1: Minnesota isn't, well, Kirk Cousins is bad. How can we help him out? The grander scheme to me is, how can they get Caleb Williams or Drake, uh, what is his name? Drake May, that's his name. The quarterback out of North Carolina that everybody says is as great as Caleb Williams. I'm not so sure about that. But it's like, there is merit to what Cam is talking about because Minnesota apparently isn't going to offer Kirk a long-term extension this offseason. Which is important because Kirk is is their quarterback. And they don't really have a backup plan here. So Kirk, not getting a long-term extension two top-tier quarterbacks being in next year's draft, two of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen, or really one of the best in Caleb Williams. I don't know about Drake May. We'll see what happens.
2: But man, oh man, Cam Jordan and the Minnesota Vikings, they go up against each other. We'll
1: see what happens there. But I think the fascinating, the more interesting thing about this whole kind of quote isn't even the quote itself. It's the fact of the matter is, is that Minnesota may move on from Kirk Cousins. And it's like, if they move on from him, who the hell do they get? Hmm. Find out on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z.
2: Sorry. Dragon, tra- 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 dragon Ball. Sorry. <clears throat> next up. Kind of this weird
1: story that's been developing over the last like 12 plus hours and Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs, great football player,
2: but um, kind of emotional and temperamental. So, Stefan Diggs goes out
1: to the mandatory minicamp with the Buffalo Bills. He was apparently there this morning. And then he left before practice. And then Sean McDermott comes out in his press conference and says that it's very disturbing that Trevon Diggs would leave mandatory minicamp. And Stephon Diggs then comes out and says
2: that you know, like, like people are capping, which is lying. And I guess he'll kind of settle this, and he'll discuss why people are lying or what the lies are. I'm not really sure. And so what, is this, what does this
1: exactly mean for the Buffalo Bills? Well, I, like, for, well I, don't, I don't know. It can mean a lot of different things. I, I think it can mean Stefan Diggs is unsatisfied with the results. Because I think Stephon Diggs thinks that they not only should have been able to have beat Kansas City multiple times throughout the course of the playoffs over the last couple of years, but also now with, I think, a home field advantage against, against Cincinnati, I feel like he feels like that they
2: should have been able to have beaten Cincinnati and Buffalo. To be honest with you, I, I felt so as well. I think Stephon Diggs has a point. A lot of people hate the messenger. A lot
1: of people don't like Stephon Diggs because he's very emotional And he's very loud in expressing his feelings. I don't really care. I love Stephon Diggs. I love the player. I love the person. And I
2: think he's right. I think he's right in the sense of... With the players that they had on offense, just
1: exclusively, they should have been able to have won. With Vaughn now coming back, they should be one of the best teams in the AFC. But now they got... Miami challenging them, which Miami doesn't have a better quarterback than than the bills, but they pretty much got damn near everything else outside of pass rusher. I don't think anyone on Miami's squad equals Von Miller, but they got some good pass rushers. They got Bradley Chubb, they got Jalen Phillips, they got great cornerbacks, they got a great you know a great safety in Javon Holland is one of the best safeties in the NFL, really, really good offensive line. If they add Dalvin Cook, I mean, I, I don't even care if they add Dalvin Cook. I don't know who they got on their running, uh, on the running game, but it's just like, at the running game, but it's just like, whoever they got as their running backs is probably better than whoever
2: the Bills have, because apparently Bills running backs just, they're just not very good. They can't figure out how to run. But the Bills probably should have been in the Super Bowl, and I think Stefan is
1: uberly frustrated because of that. I don't know if he had a family emergency that he needed to get to or if he's just expressing his frustration in this way. I'm not really sure. I don't know. It is weird that he would just report to camp and then not report to camp, be there and then not be there. It's very weird. And it could be that he's expressing some frustration. I'm not going to make you know, a mountain out of a molehill in that regard. We're literally going to figure out
2: like what's going on with him in the next like 24 to 48 hours. But I I, I don't know what's going on with Stefan. And I
1: think Nick Wright talked about it a couple of weeks ago, if not a month ago. I don't think the Bills have a shot anymore to win a Super Bowl. And, you know, the media has kind of had the Bills back. Especially Kyle Brandt, he's been, he's been obnoxious with the Bills, just running around screaming and yelling and stuff like that. Just tries way too hard. Kyle
2: Brandt just fucking tries obnoxiously hard. But the media has definitely gotten juiced up over the Bills. They're super juiced up on
1: them. And... I think this is the moment where
2: we all kind of inhale, we exhale, and we kind of just say the Bills' time is up. It's up. It's over with. And I think last year we probably... Hold on. I feel like last year we probably could have said the exact same
1: thing. We probably could have been like, look, Last year, the Bengals were probably better than them.
2: I mean, obviously, the Chiefs were better. But it's just... The Bills are just so... The the Bills are just so beloved. But...
1: I I just don't see it. I just don't see them being better than... Kansas City... Or the Bengals. Potentially the Dolphins. Potentially Lamar Jackson. And the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, hell, we could even say that they may or may not be better than the freaking Chargers, man. And it's getting to that point where we start looking at coaches. Because to me, the biggest issue hasn't gotten fixed yet. The offensive line in regards to... Running the football, I think the offensive line is fine for the most part in regards to like what it can do in pass protection, but run blocking, they are terrible. They got the Cowboys former guard in Connor McGovern. But I don't really know how much that helps them, like long term. I I really don't. Because Connor McGovern was like the backup tackle, or excuse me, he was the backup guard who Dallas was like they had in they had him in as like a fullback at times. And, I mean, he wasn't, he never got never got the starting job consistently except when people were hurt, and they had to move some guys over, and he did a great job, but he was never a great guard. At times, he was a good guard.
2: He was good at being able to help with the running game and blocking, but run blocking is
1: important. An imperative, and the Bills seem to not be able to do it. Maybe you fire your offensive line coach. Maybe you hire somebody else. I don't really know. Then their defense with Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier. Leslie Frazier, the former defensive coordinator, is now taking a break from football. And if I'm honest with you, I don't think that it's that big of a deal because I don't like the Bills' defense, man. And... I mean, the Kansas City game two years ago, the AFC Divisional round, where Kansas City was in this funky prevent defense where the Kansas City Chiefs only needed three points to like tie up the game to go into overtime. And Kansas City, or excuse me, the Bills, they just didn't really understand end-of-game situations. And so the Bills just completely backed off against the Chiefs and of course, the Chiefs being the intelligent offensive gurus gurus that they are with Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, they were just like, yeah, we'll just have an underneath route with Kelsey. We'll have blockers upfield. Kelsey will catch the underneath route and then he'll run up the field or he'll... I, I forgot the actual play, but it was essentially it just took advantage of the deep coverage that the Bills were in and... The Kansas City Chiefs were just able to essentially just just get into field goal range with 10 to 20 seconds or something ridiculous like that, get up to the football uh to get up to their field goal kicker's range, be able to hit the hit the kick, be
2: able to tie up the game winning in overtime and it was just like, wow, I can't believe that actually just happened. And so since then, but Really, even probably a little bit before that, I've I've just had
1: issues with McDermott's defense with Leslie Frazier because I'm just like, You guys really have all the pressure being put on uh put on the opposition's offense by your off by your offense by Josh Allen and you guys really can't figure out how to stop some of these guys. They just got essentially an elite pass rusher after God knows how many years of really not having one. And the reason why that's so important is because if they didn't have Vaughn Miller, their defense would be terrible. Maybe not terrible, but their defense wouldn't have any really great any really great talent. They have like Kyra Lamb, who I think can be a great corner. But it, but Tradavius White, they tried to move him outside last year, and it was just a flat out disaster. Tradavius White is essentially one of the best interior cornerbacks in the NFL. But the problem with Tredavious white is that Tredavious white isn't very good on the outside. And he
2: was getting butchered last year. Plus he's been hurt just straight up. And so for the bills to run out
1: Tredavious white on the outside being like, we're going to butcher people with him. And in fact, the opposite happens is he gets butchered is just does. It's not a good omen for the bills Especially if they cannot figure out their running back, or excuse me, their cornerback position uh, long term. But they got some good players there. But man, oh man, the Bills. I mean, they were done pretty much last year. It is doubly as such and as so this year. I have no idea how they're going to fix this. I've no idea how they're going to uh how they're going to even have like a shot at being able to catch up with the Chiefs, let alone the Jets, let alone maybe the Jets, maybe not. We'll see what happens with the Jets. But the Dolphins, the um and the and the Ravens and the Bengals, it's just there's too much competition. There's too little room for error. And it just feels like the bills are consistently making errors that they really shouldn't be making. so We'll see what happens long term. But anyways, that's the podcast, a little bit shorter one because there's really not a lot to talk about. Um, no podcast, no podcast Wednesday, which is today, technically tomorrow. I'll have one Friday and Thursday, and then I'll peace out for about a week. Uh, 24th podcast.